It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. That's right. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ. I almost forgot the name of the show. It's been so long. <laughs> Presented by Rotowire. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. We're here to talk UFC 249, the return of not just MMA, but professional sports here in the United States. Cannot wait. With me, as always, the co host, the analyst, the important guys on the show, Chris Olson. You can find him on Twitter at Real Chris Olson. Joe, better known in the DFS circle as Sun Tzu. Guys, how we doing? Are you pumped? I'm pumped, man. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I was just listening to myself on on Sirius uh, XM 210. I, I got a myself and Brett Apley. We did a we got a 45 minute spot um, on on Sirius FM, and the, the the moderator was referring to me as Joe Sun Tzu. So I'm wondering if people thought like maybe my last name was Sun Tzu. Hopefully not, because people generally don't use their last names on on the air, but. Um, yeah, so I keep hearing Joe Sun Tzu, Joe Sun Tzu. That's, that's odd. I mean, do people not know who Sun Tzu is? Like, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> the moderator didn't. Um, no. but Art of War, which is, what of War baby. which is what we are going to have on Saturday. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the card. I, um, you know, I think the first thing we need to talk about right off the bat is just like how weird this is for everybody involved. I mean, you keep hearing stories of fighters, uh, Uriah Hall living in the gym, Jacare Souza using his wife's uh, uh, CrossFit equipment. And then you got Greg Hardy saying how scared he is. You got all the weight cut stuff. 
Speaking of uh, Jeremy oh, Stevens. Awful videos of people getting nose swabbed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tickling the nose, tickling the brain. It's I'm I'm here for all of it. So um it's gonna be it's gonna be wild and uh, and I'm ready. Let's go. So before we dig into the card, we are gonna get to that quick. Not a whole lot of foreplay for you guys this week, but there's tons of huge contests. FanDuel is up and going. Uh, not the first time they've had it, but make sure you check out the scoring system for that. We're gonna stick to DraftKings on the show, but slightly different scoring system there. Super draft also has MMA, so MMA exploding because, hey, there's not sports, and these sites got to make money. So they're scoring there. For the most part, the quick breakdown is FanDuel. You're looking for finishes even more so than on DraftKings. That's the quick, you know, um, the, the quick breakdown on it. We're going to stick for pricing on this show to DraftKings, do a normal breakdown. Before we get into it, one last thing I got to do, make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free. Ten day, usually a 10-day free trial to all their premium content, no credit card required. I'm pretty sure – all that stuff is go is still up and going as per usual. Make sure you subscribe to the show, Rotowire MMA on iTunes. Click the like button, subscribe on YouTube to the Rotowire channel. That's enough of the intro. I'm sick of that. Let's get to some fights. First up, Ryan Sp- Superman Span 9300. Take it on Smiling Sam Alvey at 6900. First fight of the night has our biggest favorite. On the card, Span is minus 420. Alvy is plus 375. Personally, no idea how in the world Ryan Span is a minus 400 favorite against anyone. But that's just where Sam Alvy is at this point in his career. Interesting fight. Joe, kick us off here. I'm starting with you on purpose because this means you do the women's fight later. So there's method to this. Yeah, I know. I get it. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I, I fear that we're going to start the night off with a stinker, which is a shame because it's such a good card all in um i can't see myself laying the kind of wood or the juice on on spawn um i don't you know i don't know how, why people are so confident in him um i get that he's likely to win the fight i could certainly see it being a um an uninspiring decision as i believe the phrase i used in the past um alvi's got pretty good takedown defense um he he doesn't have a, a questionable referee i'm just I'm saying that tongue in cheek of course um, and you know, look, Spawn is a guy that, you know, got, got finished on, on, you know, looking on Dana White's contender series and, you know, fought in the regional scene and kind of worked his way back into the UFC. Um, but Sam Alvey is kind of a wily veteran. I mean, I don't expect him to necessarily win, but I'm not as certain in the finish as some people. And his price point is so high that I see a lot of value around him. So I expect, fully expect to be under exposed to the fight as a whole and especially to to spawn i think span wins as well but alvi's in these weird fights and it's going to be knockout or bust for him as per usual chris is he going to get it uh i think he gets it but i I still uh, i'm still hard pressed to say you know pay up for him because he's gonna because even if he gets it which i think he will it might come in the second or third round after you know, a, a round or two of, of nonsense. I mean, you look at that Devin Clark fight, and it was um, basically a round of, of um, Span looking like a fish out of water until he decided, oh, I can just grab him and, and muscle him around, and then he got the sub. Uh, Alvi does have um, very good takedown defense, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. I, for all the things, like, I like Span a lot. I don't understand why he's so reliant on grappling. I think he's a pretty good boxer. I think his hands are pretty fast. He's obviously very athletic and powerful. 
I think if he wants to, he can end this fight with his hands. And that's what I think is going to happen. But um, as I said, I, I can't really see paying up because I, I don't really know what's going to happen. I think I think you can look at Spahn as sort of, as I like to, as sort of a contrarian pay-up play. But I think at 9,300, that's about all he's going to be. But I am taking Spahn, and I do think eventually it happens by knockout. Moving out, moving on. One of I think the most interesting fights on the card. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a stack card, um, and I think a bit of a sleeper for DFS as well. Bryce Mitchell, 8500, taking on Charles Rosa at 7700. Mitchell minus 160. The line is actually widening. Uh, Rosa plus 150. Surprising to me because I'm on the dog here. I like Charles Rosa. I think it's a big step up for Bryce Mitchell. People seem to forget that not that long ago, Charles Rosa. You know, went to a split decision with Yair Rodriguez. Had a really good fight against Shane Burgos. Bryce Mitchell, fun prospect. Everybody loves him. Guy who, you know, screwed his own nuts. If you don't know that story, go go look that up. Like, he's got the hype around him. But Rose is a big test here. I'm surprised Mitchell, the line is as wide as it is. Chris, what are your thoughts here? So, um, as the resident uh, dog player, let me be the first to say that I'm all aboard the Bryce Mitchell hype train here. I think... Um, wait, wait, wait. Mitchell's I, I, the favorite. Mitchell's the big no, favorite. I, I know he is, but I'm saying I'm like, you know, switching it up. You know? You're not I'm playing not, dogs at all this week. Then. This is, this no, is bananas. I, I have him in the middle. Don't worry. They're coming. But um, I, I just think that Charles Rosa is... Look, a lot of people are, are going to make a lot of the Manny Bermudez sub, but I, I feel like that was way more Bermudez being lackluster and uh, complacent than anything else. I mean, he was literally sitting in his guard. I guess he got comfortable landing shots to the face because he was doing that. But then he was also just sitting there um, with his arm controlled, postured up in Rosa's guard. And Rosa is a black belt. He can't do that. Um, I don't think Mitchell's going to be that uh, careless or sloppy. He's a I brown like belt. Bryce, uh, brown belt. Uh, Rosa's a brown belt no, no, or no, black no. belt? Mitchell's a brown belt against the black belt and Rosa. Right, right, right. Defending I, um, Yeah. I think um, I think Bryce Mitchell is a guy because we think of him as a, as a jujitsu player, and of course he's got great sk- scrambles. He's um, creative. He hit a twister in his last fight. Yada yada. But I also think that he's sort of an underrated kickboxer. I like his kickboxing quite a bit. I think he's throws a combination, and I think um, one of the most overlooked ports, portions of his game is he's actually pretty good defensively. He's actually pretty defensively responsible on the feet. So and Charles Rosa basically likes to like wing big shots. So I, I think Bryce Mitchell is going to have a pretty big advantage in the standup. And I think, look, going to the ground, it's going to be interesting, but I think Mitchell at least has enough to hold his own there. The scrambles are going to be interesting. I think Mitchell's Mitchell is going to be able to out hustle him there. Even if he, if he's not um, uh, specifically the better pure jujitsu player. So yeah, I, I like a lot of things about Mitchell in this fight. Could he get caught, caught by Charles Rosa? Sure. He could. Um, we're just talking on YouTube. Uh, our buddy Mike Yunan, who has a, a plus seven hundred prop uh, with the Rosa submission. Look, it's not crazy. I mean, Rosa's the black belt here. He's good off his back, but um, I just see too many uh, too many uh, advantages for Mitchell. I'm taking him. Probably, probably a decision, but I I would say a high scoring one. So I consider him a cash play. So I'm taking Mitchell. Joe. Yeah, so um, I think this is probably a decent fight to target. Um, I, I think Rosa offers pretty good line value. 
Um, especially on DraftKings, he is much cheaper on DraftKings than he is on FanDuel. So if anybody is playing contests in both and is looking to do a, a little bit of an ARB, um, he's much cheaper on, on, on DraftKings. He works slightly better in my lineup constructions. Look, I'm going to have shares of both guys, but um, based on what my, my good friend, the DF Sniper, is going to say, he kind of pushed me over the edge on a fight where I was sort of in the middle. Um, so I'm going to take um, Charles Rosa and the slight upset here. I think he's got a pretty solid floor. Um, I, I think, you know, either fighter is pretty a pretty good cash game play. Um, I just think the dog has a legitimate upside um, to win or a le legitimate chance to win. So give me Charles Rosa here. Um, and I, I think this is a reasonably good fight to target in mass entry. And what Joe was alluding to is what I mentioned earlier, just it being a big step up for um, Mitchell and everyone type kind of forgetting the caliber of competition Rosa has been in there with not to mention, by the way, Mitchell, not at a real camp yet. I mean, he's the guy who's every time you put a mic in front of my face, I'm going to say Arkansas, 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 Arkansas. That's all well and good. I appreciate it. You know, hometown pride. I get it to be a high level MMA player. You need a big gym. Sorry. It's just a fact. Maybe you can keep going from here. Maybe he wins this, but at some point he doesn't move. He's he's, he can't get to where he wants to go until he moves. Sorry, bud. My opinion. Moving on, probably the most exciting fight of the card outside of the main event, just in terms of pure craziness that we're about to witness. Vicente Luque, 9,000, taking on Nico Price at 7,200. Luque, minus 260. Price, plus 240. These guys have fought once before. Uh, Luque pulled out a second-round sub. Price is kill or be killed. Great for DFS GPP. Joe, who you got? Yeah, um... I, I don't see any reason why this fight is going to end all that much differently than the last fight. Um, one bit of concern here is that Luke has taken some damage, you know, in, in his past few fights. I mean, he is hittable. He absorbs a fair amount of strikes. Look, he gives as good as he gets. He's a tough guy. Um, you know, Wonder Boy lit him up. I mean, that's a perfect game plan. Fortunately for Luke um, Nico Price is not Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Is he is going to get in Luke's face now? What Luke should do is he he beat um, Price last time by submission. If Luke is smart, he should take a fight off from slugging and just take him to the ground as quickly as he can and work his superior ground game um, and and get the submission. I don't see any reason to think why that can't happen again. Obviously, Price has got a puncher's chance which is why in, in mass entry GPPs, you should have a few shares of price. Um, I have Luke as one of my big three in terms of, you know, guys I like uh, that I want to focus on. So I think, you know, you should have exposure to this fight. Bryce has got a puncher's chance. I just don't see any reason why the same result shouldn't be repeated um, in this rematch. Okay. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. I think that, look, obviously Luke is dangerous. We know it. He's, He's weirdly dangerous, but the thing is, um, Luke just beat him so completely in that fight. I, I don't really see another way either. I mean, the pressure and the leg kicks and and all, all Luke could think to do was was try to back him up with a jab, which uh, didn't work. Uh, he just got countered off it consistently. And unless he comes in here with a um, strategy change, which he could, I, I don't see the fight going any differently. I think, you know, Luke pressures everybody He's he fights, and as Joe said, uh, certainly 
uh, uh, Nico Price is not the range keeper that somebody like Steven Thompson is. I expect that um, Luke is going to hit him hard before finishing him uh, the way he wants. I expect him to be a big point scorer here. You know, if you're playing a bunch of lineups, take um, take uh, Nico for the killer be kill attitude. But there's just just way too many things to like about Luke to to go in any other direction here as far as a pick. Moving on, next fight up, Jacare Souza, 8,300, taking on Uriah Hall at 7,900. This line's actually moved the opposite way I thought it was going to. Jacare at minus 120. That's closed up. Hall is at plus 110. I'm on the Hall side. It's not a confident pick, but I'm taking Uriah Hall here just because, look, Jacare's old. These guys fall apart. I was arguing with somebody like, Jacare's never been knocked out. That's nice. Damian Maya hadn't been knocked out until two months ago when Gilbert Burns demolished him. Now, Uriah Hall hits just that hard. Don't make any beans about it. Obviously, not not the same grappler, different level of talent, but Uriah Hall is a dangerous guy here. Um, I thought the public would be more on Jacare. The line is closing, is closing, but I like Hall here. Close fight. Interesting one for DFS because Jacare, um, who's up for this one? Chris, Jacare has not landed a takedown in his last three fights. And that's what he needs to do here. He needs takedown. So how does this one happen, Chris? Yeah, I actually, I'm a little bit more uh, bullish on Hall here than you are. Uh, for, for for a lot of the reason you mentioned, I mean, not only has he not landed a takedown in the fight, the, the two fights that he has landed a takedown in, um, he's lost both of those fights. So he hasn't won a fight he's landed a takedown in, I think, in the last six fights. And that was the Tim Bush fight where uh, he just took him down and, and got a Kimura win. Um I, I mean, it's true that Jack Ray has never had his life turned out, but he was beaten up very badly and had it waved off in uh, the Robert Whitaker fight. He got dropped in the first round of the uh, Jack Hermanson fight. So I think that the speed of Hall here is gonna is going to pay a lot of dividends. And also that hammer jab of Uriah Hall that we've seen him use a lot more lately. He was using it in the Bochinia fight very effectively. He used it against Carlos Jr. very effectively. And that's the other thing. Like, I, I'm not I'm not much of a, a narrative-driven guy. That's Joe's lot most of the time. But I have to say, um, yeah, you can't help but be uh, impressed by the, I think, turn that Uriah Hall has made in his career at this point. Uh, we all remember that rematch against Gegard Mousasi where he basically, you know, quit after he was taken down and just allowed himself to be pounded out. Since then, I mean, getting beaten up by uh, Christoph Jocko and taken to the ground, gets out, comes back, wins the fight. Getting uh, beaten up by uh, Bevon Lewis, comes back, wins the fight. Has his back taken and gets taken down in, I think, every round by Antonio Carlos Jr., comes back, wins the fight. So I think this is a guy who is motivated now, and I think a, a motivated Uriah Hall is scary. I wouldn't I wouldn't um, place all my eggs in that basket if I didn't think he had the technical advantages as well. I do. So both of those things put together, and I'm pretty confident in Uriah Hall. So I'm taking him for, I'm going to say, a second-round stoppage here. Joe? Yeah, so, you know, there's definitely some narrative around this fight, right? Apparently, you mentioned Uriah Hall, you know, pretty much living or sleeping at, at ATT. Um, Jacare training, um, in his, you know, with his wife's elliptical equipment, his only training partner was Alan Patrick, who is obviously a much, uh, a much lighter fighter. Um, you know, 
he's 40 years old. He hasn't been using his takedowns and his submission game like he should. Hall, on the other hand, is a guy that seems to be very good at snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, um, winning three of his last four fights. Um, I, I don't really know what to do here. I could see this being a pretty boring and pedestrian fight. I'm still going to lean towards Jacare, um, but not by much. And I don't expect to have a lot of this fight, which could potentially be a mistake, but you have to draw a line somewhere in the sand. Um, I know there are some people that are really, really high on Jacare's chances here. I just don't see how anybody can be overly confident in either guy here. Um, so I will give a very tentative, uninspired vote to Jacare. Moving out, moving on. Women's fight up next, so it's Joe's time to shine. Carla Spars at 8,400. Take it on the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson at 7,800. Spars at minus 140. Watterson plus 130. I mean, the last women's fight we saw, <laughs> a stack won a GPP. Probably not going to happen here, not just because it's three rounds instead of five because of the two fighters. Uh, for me... Esparza wants takedowns. The range of uh, Michelle Watterson, I think it's going to be a little much, but it's super close. Like I'm leaning towards the dog here as well, but it's the same as Hall, like really tentative. I just, I, what does worry me narrative wise before Joe goes is Watterson, no training partner who's training with her husband, who is, I think an amateur, I want to say boxer, but I could be totally off base here. Um, so Michelle Watterson, but, should be a bad fight for DFS. Joe? Yeah, so I like Esparza a fair bit here. Um, I think she's actually made some improvements with her striking, which is is where perceivably you would give Waterson an edge. Um, Esparza is a pretty good chain wrestler. She's not a, she's not big in as a submission grappler, but she's a pretty good chain wrestler. She should have that advantage. Um, you know, Waterson's takedowns are um, somewhat limited to those judo throws, which again – anybody will tell you should not work um, in MMA against anybody who is a decent wrestler of which Asparza is a decent wrestler. So I actually have a bet on Asparza. I, you know, the, the line has moved a bit, um, but I look, I love Michelle Waterson and, and, you know, I did it with mother's day coming up. I did a tribute to a very tasteful tribute um, in air quotes to um, MMA female fighters who are also moms um, you know, that was on, we did, I did that for MMA fan radio and look, what's not to like about Michelle Waterson, you know, the, the original fight mom here. Um, I just think Carlos bars is going to be too much. Um, if you're doing tape study, watch her fight against Claudia Gedalia. Um, she looked really good striking and Gedalia really was fortunate to come out of that fight with a victory. I had Gedalia, but I personally scored the fight for Esparza. Um, you know, the only people that she's had trouble with recently is, you know, Tatiana Suarez. I mean, you know, I, I think she probably beat Grasso. Um, just some unfortunate decisions. So I like Esparza here to bet. I don't think this is necessarily a great fight for DraftKings. She's priced just a tad too high. Um, there should there could definitely be some grappling points, and she probably has a reasonably solid floor. But um, give me Esparza here. It's just I don't love the fight for DraftKings. It is worth noting you said a couple questionable decisions. Questionable decisions true um it's also that random marcos decision where I mean, you could argue she she won that one too so women's mma and judging judging especially not so not so much women i should say we're in florida this week which 
Oh man, buckle up guys. Every time it hits the scorecards, be afraid. Be very afraid. Uh, for this fight, Chris. Yeah, um, well, I would say, yeah, she did beat Grasso, but like, Grasso hurt her really bad in the last round, and uh, she was pretty lucky to hang on there. So I, I think we should note that. What I would say about this fight is, um, I, you know, I, I just put up that uh, that line that, that Vince in the chat said that as far as a lays and praise, um, because I think that actually flows uh, pretty well into my argument for Watterson here. I think that, look, I think she is going to get taken down by Esparza. My question there is what's going to happen after that. And I think that Esparza basically has two modes on the ground. She either lays and prays or she tries to pass, gets manic, and creates scrambles. I think in either case, that's going to work out good for Watterson, who's really tricky off her back, really lightning quick with the transitions. I mentioned on Twitter the um, the back take against um, – um, against uh, Joanna uh, Janjacek, which almost in an instant took her from a fight she was losing to a fight that she won. She was about two inches from getting underneath the chin and taking that fight. But um, but aside from that, she I think she's got some of the quickest kicks in the UFC. I think um, she's been really – it's interesting, Sean, that you say that she's um, working or maybe working with uh, her boyfriend who's an amateur boxer because – I feel like she has been trying to sit down on her punches a little bit more lately. And that might be a problem because as I agree with Joe, that Gedalia has um, has um, improved a little bit with her striking. She's also still very upright. And it leads to her getting cracked pretty often. Not just the Grasso fight, but other fights as well. I think that, um, I think that Waterson has some real advantages here. If she happens to get stuck on the ground in a three-round decision, then that's unfortunate, and and Spars is going to win, and I can see the fight going that way. But I think that um, she has enough jujitsu to at least keep things live on the mat, keep it on the feet if she wants, and uh, and take this. So I'm going Waterson here. Moving on, moving out. Fabrizio Verdum, 9,200, taking on Alexi Olenek at 7,000, fitting that Chris starts this fight, which Alexi Olenek, if you're not you know a fan of the show – He's going to give me a stroke one day, just as he's 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 not good. Period. Sorry, Chris. End of end of story. And regardless, he's outclassed here. Verdum is minus three ten. Olenek is plus two eighty. All we're going to debate is Fabrizio Verdum shot. Like that's what we're talking. And coming off of a two year layoff, that's what we're talking about. Olenek did look in good in good shape today at weigh-ins, um, but Olenek wants to get submissions. He's not submitting Fabrizio Verdum. He's just not. Like it's one of the one of the best heavyweight grapplers ever. Like I, don't, and I hesitate because of guys like Frank Mir, but for doom is legit, 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 legit. So no, I would be, I would be mortified if, if he hits an Ezekiel choke here, like just, I want to say I chafe my head, but there's not much there to need to do. So I'm not yeah. going to do that, but it, like, I can't see that happening. So, Heavyweight fight here. I think Verdum. I'm all about it. I think. I think he'll. He's definitely good enough. I don't think he's totally shot. I. I think um, he should be motivated because it only takes a couple wins to be in title contention at heavyweight. So give me Verdum. Not going with the old man wonder here in Olenek. I'm assuming Chris is because he is president of the Alexi Olenek fan club. Well, as president, um, I had a good cry before I, I made my pick in this fight because, as a matter of fact, I am not picking Olenek. I am uh, picking Fabrizio Verdum. Look, I mean, you pretty much hit it. I mean, the guy has is 
he's probably the best uh, heavyweight grappler except for Fabricio Verdum, and now Verdum is back. So I just, I mean, I was looking for windows here. I, even in even in fights he lost, even even in that um, uh, Volkov fight, um, uh, Verdum's top game is just so smothering. Uh, um, Olenek's not going to have anything to do here. He's going to get trapped. Um, the one shot he has is, um, look, getting in, in Verdum's face and throwing those meat hooks, which he does very often and very hard. He dropped uh, Travis Brown with shots. He's finished. Um, he finished Jared Rochal uh, with shots. And as you said, uh, Sean Verdum is could be uh, weary here. He's coming off. What was it? A is it two or three years since his Usada suspension? I think it was a two-year suspension. It might be three since he fought. Some something. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up. What way you're going here? All right. So it's a, it's two or three years plus all of this uncertainty and nonsense. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Nolan Dahl referencing um, his jujitsu match against Gordon Ryan. That was um, not pleasant for me, a, a Linux that is. Um, but yeah, I think that um, unless unless uh, Olenek, uh wings him out on the feet, I don't really see this happening. I, I'll be interested to see what happens if if um, Olenek gets on top. That I will be interested to see. I don't know if two be years, two months. Him. Sorry, two years, two months. No problem. So. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens if Olenek can get on top. I don't know if he can sub him from there. I wonder if he can hold position, Um, but it will be interesting to see. But nonetheless, I have to go with Verdum here. Now, the thing about Verdum is that we kind of get two different Verdums depending on what he feels like doing. You can either get like um, Walt Harris, uh, Alexander Volkov Verdum, where he just goes for the takedowns right away, or you can get kickboxer Verdum like we saw against uh, uh, Alistair Overeem and uh, Marcin Tibera. So if he lets Olenek hang around here, that could make him, you know, not worth the night 200. But th- then again, like how long does Alexi Olenek last in fights? Like he went around and a half against Maurice Green, and I was shocked that even that happened. I thought so he was going to die. Yeah. So well, he, pull- he pulled out the win. He's got he's yeah, No, just at the end of seven and a half minutes, he looks like he is hurting. Travis yeah. Brown fight too. That was ugly. That was. And then when he gets on the mic after that, he can barely talk because he poor guy. He can barely talk. He's trying to speak English and he's just not working out for him. But um, but yeah, so I'm going for Doom here. Look, I, I think Alexia Linick in um, both FanDuel and DraftKings is the second least expensive fighter in both formats. Uh can he land a big shot here and and come what may? That can happen. So I wouldn't fade off him completely based on his price. But unfortunately, it is with a heavy heart that, uh, yeah, I have to pick Fabricio Verdum here, probably by stoppage. Joe. Okay, so I have two quick shout-outs before I give you my obvious pick in this fight. Um, firstly, I want to thank all the, the, the regulars in chat. And if I leave your name out here, um, I apologize. But I'm talking about Elliot, Vince. Um, Nan, John Church, of course, the super fan, um, Mike Mad, um, you know, uh, Lee Tyler, um, you know, these guys are great. Um, Tajik Bay, they, they tune in, uh, David, they tune into all our fights, all our, our videos. So I want to give a shout out to them and, and a special shout out. Um, you know, we have some guys in our MMA community that are first responders, um, and you know, two, I want to give a shout out to one is Mike from Mike's MMA. Um, him and his wife are, 
you know, we're in our medical professionals and their first responders. And then, um, you know, he doesn't make any secret of it. So I hope it's okay, Mike. Um, but Mike Mad, who is in chat right now, is a police officer in New Jersey. So Mike, you know, be, be safe. Um, you know, I hope you're getting through this okay. So just a shout out to all those guys. And my pick is uh, Fabricio Verdum for everything that Chris said. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Yeah, let's, let's save a little bit of time there. We've got some good bites to talk about. Anthony Pettis. 8,200. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, 8,000. Line on this fight. Pettis minus 137. Come back on Cowboy, plus 127. They fought once before. It was Pettis early. The, the general consensus consensus is Pettis early, Cowboy late. I think Cowboy's got a slight edge everywhere. I'm just worried about his head. And it's, it's really as simple as that. You heard him, saw, saw the McGregor fiasco. He's driving cross country for this one. Like a lot of question marks there that just typically make me worry about Cowboy Cerrone. I will lean with him for this fight. Joe, how about you? Oh shit! And how did I forget MMA Mako, who just retweeted our our link out to this show? You suck. Yes, I can't. I could not. I couldn't. And and by the way, this guy does incredible, um, like fight breakdowns with music, and it's just really great. And I will give you guys a little bit of a, pre- a hint that we are working on something very special for an upcoming fight card, which is going to result in a wager. Who do I like in this fight? Um, Cerrone makes me nervous. Um, I was kind of on the fence. Um, both fighters have their pros and cons in terms of narrative. You know, Cerrone is coming off of, you know, several, um, you know, vicious knockouts. Um, you know, the, the 13 seconds he was in there with, uh, with McGregor. And apparently, you know, the narrative is that he didn't want to be there at all, um, which kind of distur- is disturbing. Um, he's pretty close to being, um, you know, done or retired. Pettis, on the other hand, is a guy that is typically competitive in fights till he isn't. Um, it seems like his body is constantly breaking down. Um, no one was more surprised than me that he was able to to, to drop and finish, um, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I mean, I, I call that a flash knockout. Um, I would have to believe that nine fights out of ten, he doesn't get that. Um, but give it to him. So I didn't really know what to do with this fight. So I am, and I will be the first to admit this, being influenced by others here who feel very strongly that this is Cowboys' fight to lose. Um, so I will have shares of both fighters, but I'm going to give my lean to Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and I'd like him to go out of the UFC on a winning streak, and maybe this is the first of, of say, two or three more fights that he has where he wins and then kind of goes off into the sunset. Chris. I think, I think he'll have two or three more fights by, uh, by the end of the summer uh, based on how he does it. But, uh, but I, um, I have an opposite pick, but I will agree with you on one thing, Joe, this is a, a tough fight to call just because of, of what you mentioned. Uh, these guys are just so unreliable that both of their bodies are not only breaking down, but, uh, it's both. It's it's both times where we see that um, on any given day they can or cannot give us the best they have to offer. Like in one 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 fight, they'll look really sharp. They'll be on their game, and the next it'll just be like, eh, you know, I didn't I didn't really I wasn't really feeling this one. So it's it's tough from that perspective. Um, we should mention, I guess, although I'm not sure if it even matters at this point that this is a rematch from 2013, although. You know, both guys have have gone through such a um, a, a, a degener- degeneration, I guess would be the word, of their bodies 
that at this point um, we're not even close to getting the um, the products we would have then. But what I will say about the fight in general is, and I think you alluded to it as well, uh, Joe, is that Pettis seems to hurt his opponent in almost every fight, even if he loses it. Uh, that goes for t- Tony Ferguson. That goes for Nate Diaz. That goes for uh, even the last fight against uh, uh, Fajaya, where he landed uh, some good shots. He's a good counterpuncher. He's a good, stiff counterpuncher. Um, Cowboy likes to come in with these long combinations, but, I mean, these aren't the um, crazy head movement combination that we saw him hit against Rick Story anymore. These are like, you know, long boxing combinations with his head up in the air. And I think that that's going to play right into the game of somebody like Anthony Pettis who will let you back him up so he can throw those shots. And I think Cowboy's going to get clipped here. I think he's going to get finished. So um, the longer this fight goes, I do agree, the more it switches to Cowboy, who, uh, uh, with everything else, seems to have not lost his cardio or his willingness to win late in the fight. But I still have to give this to uh, Anthony Pettis, and I'm going to say a second-round finish. Moving on, Greg Hardy, 8,600. Jorgen DeCastro, 7,600. A line on this fight. Hardy is the favorite. He is... Minus first time I've lost night. Minus one ninety. Comeback is plus one seventy five. We're living in some alternate universe where I'm the only one picking Greg Hardy to win, <laughs> but that's where I stand. DeCastro's biggest win is over Justin Taffa. I like what I saw from Hardy going overseas against Volkov on short notice. Better athlete, clearly. I think he, you know. I think he's going to use his physicality a bit here. Uh, I like Greg Hardy. Um, and I've seen DeCastro getting a little popular, which is strange. So, uh, Chris, pick your dog here. But by yeah. the way, you're not being contrarian, contrarian with this. And this isn't a cool underdog to take. Everybody's I know. dog. No, no, no. I know. Okay. Which which almost makes me want to take Hardy because exactly come to I me. Do, I do. But I no, I I can't do it. Look, here's why. Um, I I I went into this a little bit on Twitter earlier in the week or or last week. I don't know. It's all running together to me at this point. But um. Uh, what I what I see from Hardy is, look, he's definitely more patient now. There's no doubt about it. But for, to me, that's come at a detriment for him to where he's not active enough to really put his opponents away. Uh, we saw this in the Ben Sassoli fight where Ben Sassoli was, was lunging at him with shots. And, I mean, he, he's evasive. He's, he's a big athletic guy. He's good at evading. But he was never looking for the counter. And then I thought, I, I thought a lot about his um, – his win over Austin Lane in the Contender Series, where he slid back and hit him with a with a nice cross to hurt him and then finish him, and I was like, "Wait, so where's that guy now?" It seems to me that um, he is trading technique for uh, for cardio. I think he knows his cardio is bad. I think um, look, we we know about the Bentasoli fight, the the uh, inhaler. He was tired in that fight uh, midway through the second round. And he had to stick it out. And who knows what happens if he can open up his airways in the third round? Does he even make it through? Um, so we have to we have to weigh these things. And I think that Yorin DeCastro, the little that we've seen of him, I, I really like I like his composure in the cage. And with that, I mean, like, if he doesn't like what's going on in the cage, he'll clinch. He's able to throw a big counter like we saw against Justin Taffa. I think he's really good at slowing the fight down and um, – being able to to pick up where his advantage is. He can wrestle a little bit. And as I said against um, when Justin Taffa was fighting Juan Adams, I don't know what Hardy has really done to earn 
a, a decent favorite spot here. I mean, if you take away the Sassoli win, which by all rights should have been at this qualification, I think. So then what's his best win? Is it Juan Adams or is it uh, Dmitry Smolyakov? I mean, which guy is better? Smolyakov probably has the better record. So That's not close I mean, to Juan Adams. Let's, let's... Well, okay, but I mean, Juan Adams... All right, I want to get into this. We're, we're, already, we're already pushing time. What's... All right, enough. all right, fair enough. But... Um, but look, I think the Castro is is a pretty athletic big guy in his own right. Not as much as Hardy, but I do think he can move in there. I, I like a lot of what I see from the Castro. I, I, I'm going to take him for uh, for a stoppage here. Joe. Yeah, so I'm on the Castro as well. I mean, I think there. I I like obviously his price point. Um, I think he can get inside on in Hardy. Um, he does have good leg kicks, which can weaken Hardy. Um, I also like him based on some narrative that I have on the fight. Um, I honestly believe that Greg Hardy needs a full camp or needs a, a complete camp, I should say, in order to fight. He's athletic, we all know. Um, but he, for him to improve or to consistently improve as a fighter, he needs day-in and day-out training, right? He, is not, he does not have the, the background in MMA that DeCastro has. Um, athletic, yes. Reach advantage, yes. Height advantage, yes. Like all of that. But I don't see him, and unless someone knows differently and can tell me differently, I don't believe that he had a full camp for this fight and, and did not have a complete camp. So for that reason and for a, a strategy, there is a strategy that will beat Greg Hardy here. That's leg kicks until he can get inside and then perhaps drop him or at least hurt him. Um, I'm going to pick. DeCastro, I love his price point at DraftKings. Um, you know, let's be straight. This is a GPP play, right? I would not be comfortable with either either side of this fight in cash. But for GPPs, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a shot with DeCastro. Moving on, Calvin Cater, eighty nine hundred, taking on Jeremy Stevens at seventy three hundred. Jeremy Stevens missed weight today by four and a half pounds, giving up thirty percent of his purse. Cater minus 250, come back on Stevens plus 230. Should be a striking match here. I think Cater is that good of a striker. I think it's a bad matchup for Stevens. Uh, give me Cater to win a decision because Stevens is crazy tough. Joe, who do you got? Yeah, um, I've got Calvin Cater here. I mean, he's far more technical than Jeremy Stevens. I, I also believe that if um, his, his fight against uh, Sheripov was five rounds, he would have won that fight. Um, I, I like his technical boxing. Um, the Boston finisher is not truly a finisher. I'm talking about the nickname of Calvin Cater. Um, I do like him here against uh, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, you know, missing weight when you when you're a featherweight and you miss by four and a half pounds, it means you ha you didn't try. So again, I would rather have someone miss weight by a lot anyway. Um, and he likely just said, you know what, it's not working. I'm not going to make weight. I'll just, didn't look great, by the way. I don't know if you watched. It didn't look great. No, yeah, I didn't. He didn't. Him, but he didn't. I mean, generally, you you wouldn't expect that someone who missed by that much would would have really struggled at all. Um, he didn't look good, though. Okay, he didn't look good. I I like Cater more than if that's the case. I've not watched mm -hmm. the wins, but I like Cater. I just don't know how DraftKings viable he is. You know, if he doesn't get the finish, he's priced at a range where there are better plays around him. Uh, so I just don't know. I mean, um, based on what you guys just told me, I might need to need to take a few shots with them simply because if Stevens was not looking good, 
Um, and Cater was on point and made weight and, and, you know, is a far more technical striker. And we've all seen, um, you know, that Stevens can be hurt to the body. Um, I wouldn't put a pass Cater to work in that same area. He is far more technical. So give me Calvin Cater here um, with a pause on whether this fight as a whole is even DraftKings viable. Chris? Well, I think it's DraftKings viable. And uh, um, the point about the narrative that he's not really a finisher is taken, but, I mean, he kind of is here, right? He finished Shane Burgos, and then he just finished uh, Ricardo Lamas, right? Um, Both in in pretty uh, uh, devastating uh, fashion there. I I like Cater a lot here. Uh, The reason is... um, We've seen Stevens struggle a lot with fighters that he can't corral against the cage. Uh, Stevens' footwork is still not the best. He struggled with Moicano. He struggled with uh, with Yair Rodriguez until he realized he could just take him down. He struggled with uh, Sharapov, obviously. I think there's going to be a lot of that here, especially against a guy like Cater, who's got a really nice jab and knows how to keep his distance. Um, Jeremy Stevens is is a play because he's going to throw those big hooks that cover a lot of distance and they surprise, surprise fighters. Like I would never expect uh, Stevens to have beaten a guy like Josh Emmett caught him with one of those hooks. And, and that was the, that was the fight. I think if they would run that back uh, a guy, a guy like Emmett probably beats Jeremy Stevens, but you know, all it takes is that shot. He covers a lot of distance with it and it's really powerful. So is Stevens live to a knockout? Yes. I think that what's going to happen is that Calvin Cater is going to give him something of a boxing lesson, uh, to quote Oscar De La Hoya, until he softens him up and eventually gets a finish. So I'm going to go with a high-volume third-round stoppage. I just Cater just doesn't throw that much volume, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, um, but he's going he's gonna to get be pressured here, so he's gonna, the fight's going to be brought to him. So I think that's going to bring it out. We'll see. Francis Ngannou, 9,100. Jarzinho Rosenstrike, 7,100. Ngannou, minus 255. Rosenstrike, plus 235. Two big men. Um, both hit incredibly hard. Uh, Rosenstrike, people like to forget. He, he like he was in trouble his last fight against um, Overeem until in the last five seconds he exploded you know, Overeem's yeah, lip. Yeah. Like, it was disgusting. Like Probably should have lost that fight. Uh, Nganu, you know, we know the book on Nganu, massive power, um, three straight knockouts now. You know, he had that stinker uh, against Derek Lewis right after his his title fight where he was gun shy. Like, I think Nganu's going to get it done here. It should be a quick knockout, two guys throwing, but what if they, if they, they're both aware of the other one's power? Maybe it plays out a little slower pace. Um, either way, though, give me Francis Nganu, and I think it's more likely than not it ends pretty quick chris yeah um i agree with uh with Ngannou as the pick i i'm not sure it's going to end quick you mentioned the Derek lewis fight i think what we learned in that fight is that um both guys are extreme counter punchers even though they are powerful and terrifying and if you get two extreme counter punchers in the same cage that can happen i think we have a similar situation here it doesn't seem that way uh, off the bat because Rosenstrike has a lot of finishes now. But if you go over them, um, those were all, they're all basically products, except for Overeem, where he knew he had to do something. But besides that, they're all products of guys, you know, getting up over their skis, doing something stupid, and then getting caught with a counter shot. And to your point, uh, Sean, 
he has been caught a lot in this fight, not just the Overeem fight, but in that um, – oh, what's the guy's name whose shorts never never uh, stay up? Who's cut now? Albini. Uh, Albini. In that Albini fight, he took one of the cleanest right hands I've ever seen for a guy and that wouldn't move him. Like he really took a big shot in that Albini fight and uh, and wasn't going to pay for it. I don't. I don't think he can rely on his chin against the Ganu. I mean, we saw Curtis Blades with a, with a nice chin against pretty much everyone he fights, and then all of a sudden, Ngannou has him falling all over the cage with a couple of shots. So I think the power is just different. I don't think he's going to be able to take it. I think that the danger here is that I think Ngannou gets this done, but I think it could be like a low volume round two or round three stoppage. And if that's the case, I mean, that could really hurt you. So obviously you have to roster Ngannou. I'm going to be a little bit lighter because I feel like this could turn into a staring match for for a significant portion of it. But um, but yeah, give me give me Ngannou by knockout. Joe. Okay, so I am. I've been up. I've been up since six a.m. I was I was working on. Actually, I should say I went to bed at six a.m. I was working on 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 CS:GO lineup. So I'm not going to go off on a massive tirade here like I normally would. Um, I've been surviving on caffeine in White Castle. Uh, what I'm going to say here is I don't at all understand the love for Rosenstruck here. Um, he is way out of his depths here. I mean, is he a good prospect? Yes. Was that an impressive busting of a lip on Alistair Overeem? Yes. How does that get him a title shot? I mean, he was losing that fight. He was seconds away from losing that fight. Why isn't he fighting a guy like a Cyril Gagne? That would have been a great fight. Two that big, is a great fight. It's like yeah. that would have been the fight I wanted to see. Um, you know, I think I, you'll see it after this. Yeah, you well, might. He, yeah, he's totally inept on the ground. If if Francis is smart, he is a far better wrestler um, than than Rosenstruck. He will not even bother trading with him standing. Take him down, beat the living crap out of him, and finish the fight. I do not think the narrative is completely different on this fight than it was versus Derek Lewis. It was a lot going on behind the scenes. And Ganu wasn't training. He went to France. Um, he had just lost to Stipe after hitting him with his best shots. This is not that type of fight. I would be shocked if, if Ganu didn't come out here and be very aggressive, take Rosenstruck down, beat the living crap out of him, and call it a day. Plan B for Rosenstruck. He goes back. He fights Cyril Gagne. Give me, give me Nganu here. I like Nganu. There is some risk because he might actually finish Rosenstruck too early, in which case, you know, at his price point, you know, he might not get to the 12 or 13X you're going to need to win a GPP. So that's that's a possibility, um, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, you got it, Vince. Um, so, <laughs> so give me give me Nganu all day, every day, and I would be happy to apologize to the couple people out there who picked Rosenstruck if Rosenstruck somehow pulls it off here, but give me Ngano all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. I just I sorry, I, I gotta say I know we're gonna but I just gotta say when have we ever seen um Ngano when be aggressive he co- when he come oh aggressive I think meant Russell I was gonna say when he comored Anthony's Anthony uh, he, um what's his nuts yeah but Hamilton's I, arm no, I, I got that but like when is he aggressive? I've never seen him be aggressive. But I think Rosenstruck's gonna be Okay. He should be aggressive here. That should be okay. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. So, I mean, it's it's game plan dependent, like everything else in MMA. All right, yep. co-main event, co-main event time. Henry Cejudo, eighty eight hundred, taking on Dominic Cruz, seventy four hundred. 
line of this fight. Cejudo, the favorite, minus 215. Cruz, plus 195, getting the title shot after three years off. But it's worth noting, he is the bantamweight goat, period, stop, end of sentence. And I will go further to say, even if Cejudo beats him here, that does not make him the goat at bantamweight. I will, I, Cejudo is interesting to me. I think Cejudo is picking on Cruz because he thinks it's an easy win. That's why he was trying to fight Jose Aldo. Like, Cruz shouldn't be having this fight, and I would cut Cejudo some slack if he was going to fight Piotr Jan or Aljamain Sterling. I know he's hurt, but he's going to fight one of those guys before all this happened. Cejudo's trying to cherry-pick, trying to build this uh, this legacy here, and I think this is a bad matchup against Dominic Cruz. The problem is, I, I'm picking Dominic Cruz, obviously. I 100% understand realize the possibility that Dominic Cruz is shot. He's probably held together by string cheese, silly cheese and silly string cheese, silly glue, silly string, Elmer's glue, whatever. Random household cleaners and products are holding this guy's knees, shoulders together. Like that's that's gonna be could be a problem. Overall though, I think the range Cejudo that um Cruz keeps will be an issue for for Cejudo. Cejudo's not unbeatable. He's lost to Mighty Mouse and 10 seconds questionably lost the second one to him as well beaten by by joe benavides like he's not unbeatable he's done a good job with the shtick persona i think building up how good he is not that he's not great but he's not unbeatable you know when you do that in mma you get this persona behind you similar to tony and connor you get that persona it bumps up what people think of you obviously great fighter don't don't let that what i just said go too far the other direction just kind of temper how good you think someone is. I think it's a bad matchup, but if Cruz is shot, Cejudo could just roll right through him. I think it's stackable in cash, but give me Dominic Cruz to pull off, I think, a pretty big upset here. And if you're not convinced he's the bantamweight goat, he damn well will be after he pulls this off. Uh, we're on Joe for this one. No, Chris. No, no me. Joe, sorry. Talk. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, never so, Yeah, so... I heard a rumor that Cruz did his training at the UCAL Irvine Science Department because he needed to be near a cadaver in case he needed any spare body parts. Um, oh. Me, um, look, yeah. Dominic Cruz, like to your point, you know, gorilla tape and, and, and cadaver parts. Um, let me give you some, some, some stats here. First of all, he is a natural Bantamweight, natural meaning that he's fought at Bantamweight his entire career. Um, he's going to have a height and and size advantage over over our good friend um, Henry Cejudo. Um, he is probably, and I'm gonna I'm guessing here, gonna be 150 at fight time when he hydrates up um, from making his cut to bantamweight. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't look massive next to Henry Cejudo. He's got superior movement. He's got superior leg work. He's got 86% takedown defense. Never been out wrestled in a fight in his entire life. Um, look, obviously there's there's concern for the layoff. Would it surprise everybody if I told you that they're only two years apart in age? That their birthday is one month apart. Um, uh, Cruz is, I believe, in Je in February, and uh, Cejudo is is in March. Um, thirty three for Cejudo, thirty five for Cruz. People thought he was older. I believe those are the right numbers. So. Uh, to me, uh, you know, if this was vintage, you know, Dominic Cruz, he'd beat him every day. I still think he's got enough left in the tank. And if you look at his fight coming off a big layoff against a prime time Dillashaw, yes, that was a split decision. But, you know, and when Cruz wins, 
he scores points on DraftKings. Like, you know, people throw strikes at him and he throws strikes back. And he has a surprisingly good scoring history on DraftKings on fights that he won. I like Dominic Cruz here as well for the upset. Um, I don't want a lot of Cejudo. Um, you know, I, I don't see him running through Dominic Cruz. And if he doesn't run through Dominic Cruz and I, he can't take him down, he's not a prolific striker. So even if he wins a decision, I don't see his floor as being that high at his price point. So I don't want a lot of Cejudo, but I do love Cruz at this price point. Um, so I'm with Sean on the upset. Chris. So uh, these guys have said this about me uh, several times on this show, and I finally get to say it back. I, I think you guys are nuts. I, I, I don't get this um, at all. Uh, for the first thing that I would say is um, you got a guy with a – we know about we know the layoffs four years, but he also has a history of leg injuries as a movement fighter against the guy who's very quick and very powerful in Henry Cejudo. Now, when you look at, um, especially, I mean, it happened before this. It happened a little bit in the Dillashaw fight, too. But if you look at the Garbrandt fight, it, it, was, it almost looked like somebody doing a Dominic Cruz impression because he would do his little movements, he would get inside, and then as he was backing out, he would get cracked every time. He, when he's trying to exit out of the pocket, he keeps his head up, he doesn't really cover up, and he just gets hit. And Henry Cejudo is very fast, as I said, I think he's going to make him pay uh, very big time uh, for making those movements. And look, we don't know how how Dominic Cruz is going to look here, and, but the smart money has to be on uh, a little bit worse than we saw four years ago, and that wasn't uh, prime Dominic Cruz either. So then you have to ask yourself, well, how far from that point has he fallen? And I think we have to say that Zahudo is basically at the height of his powers here. I mean um, – you know he's certainly at the height of of his success. If you want to if you want to use the word momentum, but I think at the height of his skills as well. I I just don't see it here. I I do I agree that um, look I I think Cejudo is is something of of a banner cash play. I will be using him uh, a lot there. I think too he can maybe maybe wear on on Dominic Cruz and and get a late stoppage. But the one thing that does have me a little um. A little hesitant here from a, from a um, DFS perspective is, you know, what if it takes Suhudo a round or two to adjust to the weird movements of, of Dominic Cruz in the same way it took him a round or two to adjust to someone like Marlon Moraes for different reasons, but it was an adjustment nonetheless. And that's the only thing keeping me from giving a full-throated uh, stamp of approval on Suhudo here, but I think he has his fight everywhere. I'm prepared to be amazed. So let's let's uh, let's see it happen. But for right now, uh, Cejudo is the big winner. All right, guys. Main event time. Tony Ferguson, eighty-seven hundred. Justin Gaethje, seventy-five hundred. Ferguson, the favorite, minus one ninety-five. We are guaranteed just mayhem. Uh, Ferguson can get cracked. Does get hit. Justin Gaethje's game plan is also to get hit, to get cracked. Um, we know that about Gaethje. People tend to forget it about Ferguson. Lando Venata hurt him. And what's interesting is Ferguson's strength of schedule at lightweight. I think I posted this on Twitter. Not as crazy as I thought it was digging into it. Obviously, great fighter, clearly. But Cerrone, you know, obviously could win. But look, Donald Cerrone has his issues in big fights. You know, Showtime Pettis, Kevin Lee, RDA, I think is his best win. And Edson Barbosa behind that. Like, there's guys in the, in the top 15 of lightweight who 
are missing from the resume who I thought would be there. Now it's not Tony's fault. Just in my mind of who Tony Ferguson had beaten, the names weren't quite there for me for whatever that's worth. They're also not there on the resume of Justin Gaethje. I get that, but I didn't think they were like I did on on um, on Ferguson. Back to the fight breakdown. It's just it's going to be chaotic. Uh, I think it's God. I, it, this is just going to be fun. Both guys want to get hit. I, Gaethje could win this early, hurt Ferguson. Ferguson, that cardio pressure just should wear on him. The leg kicks of Gaethje that could very well slow down Tony Ferguson in that cardio. Tons of kicks. I love the leg kicks. I love the pressure. I. I know Ferguson can be hurt. I don't like that Tony Ferguson's cut weight twice in a month, for God's sake. Why would you do that? I know he's crazy. It's just stupid. I'm leaning towards Justin Gaethje. It is a small lean. I'm all in on this fight. Stack it up in cash and just get ready for mayhem. Chris. Yeah, uh, well, I agree with uh, fun and mayhem. I am, like, I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot more love, I think, swing towards Justin Gaethje in the past, I don't know, days, weeks. I think I think that's because, look, people really put two and two together like, okay, um, Tony Ferguson gets hurt in fights, but the interesting thing is he doesn't really get hit a lot in fights. When he does get hit, he gets hit hard because it's he's coming off a spin or he's doing something crazy or, you know, whatever. But um, he's got pretty good defense in general. I just think that um, – Ferguson is going to have a lot of advantages in the pocket here. I think that one of the things that really, like I keep coming back to as something that's going to happen over and over again in this fight, like what does Gaethje do when he, when he um, covers up in the pocket, right? He, he shows up like this. What does, um, what does Tony Ferguson love to do? Grab that arm, come around the side with that elbow. I, I could see that happening a lot in this fight. I could see Gaethje getting rocked like that. Not just that, but I mean, Tony Ferguson has things like, that that um, great front kick up the middle, which he also combos off of. I just think he's too creative here. He's too dangerous inside the short space that Justin Gaethje wants to fight in. Can Justin Justin Gaethje finish him? Well, yeah, of course. But it's worth noting that the, the two finishes he's gotten that weren't Donald Cerrone were based on him backing up both James Vick and then uh, Edson Barbosa and hitting with them with a one-shot kill. I don't think he's going to be able to back up Tony Ferguson. I think Tony Ferguson is going to lead this fight as he leads every other fight. And that's going to be really interesting to see too because we don't really see Justin Gaethje fight off the back foot all that often. So that's going to be interesting in its own right. Um, It's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Uh, Whether I win or lose, I'm going to have a good time. But I just see too many advantages for Ferguson here. So he's my pick by, let's say, a third-round finish. Joe, bring us home. Wow. So I agree that lucidity is, is slipping away from me. I'm so tired, but did Sean say mayhem when he meant mayhem? Because I'm wondering what we're getting in June. Um, and any, oh. uh, let's see. So I am really torn here because I kind of went from the beginning of the week, really liking Justin Gaethje's chances to, Towards the end of the week, like kind of moving over to the Tony side. And really what it comes down to here is I don't think this is an overly complex fight to analyze, right? Um, I see it as Justin Early and Tony Late. Now, one thing that I think that Justin has that some of the other fighters who have stung Tony Ferguson don't, and I'm talking about guys like Lando Venata and, and, uh, 
Um, you know, even even Anthony Pettis, yeah. I, guys who have heard him, is that I think Gaethje has hits harder and has the ability, a greater ability to finish. He will throw caution to the wind. I mean, here's a guy that lands over eight significant strikes a minute and takes nine. So if he's if he got if he has a guy in trouble, he is not going to play safe. He is going to go after this guy, right? And he he does have a D1 wrestling background, even though you very rarely see him use it. Um, yeah, Tony is probably the better submission grappler. Okay, he is the better submission grappler. Generally, is going to have better cardio if this fight goes into the quote unquote championship rounds. I would think the momentum would shift over. Like we've seen Gaethje get hurt with leg. We've seen him fade against Poirier. Um, you know, so because I think it, there's a very realistic chance that Gaethje can can you know can hurt Tony and he will do what others have not and finish him. You got to have a lot of Justin Gaethje. His price point is such that the lineup builds that I'm getting with Justin Gaethje, I love. On the other hand. Yeah. You know, if you think Tony is going to win, I, I would not want to talk you off of that because we've seen. And, and again, now we all know that Tony is not a one shot knockout kind of guy. He is a guy that wears you down. He throws a lot, lots and lots of punches at you, has cardio for days. He just wears you down. He is not he doesn't have the Gaethje one punch knockout power. So, look, I, I never go 100 percent when I'm mass entering because what happens if we have like a year Jeremy DQ and you get totally effed? I always like to have a couple of percent, um, uh, you know, off of every fight. So I am going to be probably about 95 to 97% all in on this fight. I will likely have more Gaethje simply because um, I think that, you know, one is the lineup builds are easier and, you know, there's some price value, price point value there, but I, I'm, if I have to make a pick right now, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Justin, but it's one of those fights where I think if it gets to the main event and I'm live um, in, in contest, I'm going to win regardless of who wins. Right. Because I, I just think that I'm going to have enough exposure to either guy where if I'm live, I'm likely going to do okay. Um, so so, so I'll pick Gagey. So, so guys, this is the stacker's delight, right? Uh, Joe, I know you don't particularly yeah. like stacking, but no, yeah. Cash, right. yeah I, I, I can't find a flaw in cash. Yeah, yeah. Again, like Gaethje has, has averaged 58 to 60 points in losses, but we're not talking five-round fights. Not all of his fights are five rounds that he lost. So it, it's conceivable he could score 60 to 80 points in a loss. Um, so if that's the case, that's a really solid floor at his price point. Yeah. All right. Hot takes time. Um, before we do that, make sure to go to Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Tajik Bay asking real quick. I'll answer the question. How many lineups are you playing Joe, Chris, and Sniper? Uh, or Kiss, I should say. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. We're staying yeah. with that. Um, yeah. I, I have – so I'm, I'm going to max the mini-max, and then I have 20 other places. Yeah, I'm I'm maxing the I'm maxing the twenty. I'm maxing the mini max. I'm probably going I'm going fifty in uh, the eight, the five, the the five and the ten. Um, I'm going to max out the twenty that allow you to do twenty. Um, and you know I'm going to play some selective cash games, but mostly this is a GPP card for me. 
Chris? Yeah, I'm I'm not quite as heavy as as uh, these maniacs, but uh, I'm going to have about about thirty lineups all in. Most of those are going to be in the twenty. All righty. Uh, I have my hot take already. Since it's, I, it's... I I got mine, and I have it queued up, and I'm I'm stealing because go, go, usually go, go. usually you do the betting one, and I'm going to do the betting one this time. Oh, I'm doing a betting one as well. But no, sorry, guys. But it also, <laughs> it also applies to DFS. Charles Rosa round one plus eleven twenty five. Wow. Minus submission. Very specific. Now, does that wait? Does that have? Does it have to be round one sub, or could it be round no, one anything? Just round one. If you want to get a little less spicier than that, uh, just Rosa inside the distance was plus five eighty. By, by right, the way, I have this fight to finish inside the distance at plus one twenty. Um, mm. Combined, these two guys have finished seventy percent of their fights by submission. Yeah, uh, Chris, that's just Rosa round one TKO or sub. Yeah. Oh, T- okay. TKO or sub, right? Got it, got it. Yeah. So that's my hot take. Give me Rosa in round one. Okay. So my hot take is also a betting hot take. Um, this is not going to come as a surprise to people who follow me on Twitter. Um, I, I posted this bet up. I got a lot of good support. I got people that I, that essentially told me in as nice a way as possible that I'm an effing idiot. Um, I, my hot take is in Ganu by sub. Um, you know, it's not unprecedented. Um, Rosenstruck is pathetic on the ground. Um, I can certainly see that as the safest route for Nganu to not trade. I am going to give some props to Rosenstruck for his power. I think Nganu would be smart to, you know, to, to lock him up, to take him down, which is relatively easy, and to finish him on the ground. He has won by sub before. So give me plus 750 for Nganu by sub. I will. I, I posted my bet on Twitter. I bet like sixty six dollars and sixty seven cents to win five hundred. Like it, Chris? Okay, I'm going to stay pure here and uh, keep with the DFS. I I mentioned that I think uh, Waterson sitting down her punches more, and as far as it keeps herself up in the air. So I am taking Michelle Waterson by stoppage by strikes. Wow. That's that's also pretty spicy. I like it. It is a hot um, take, man. We, we, got hot, we got hot takes from uh chat. Uh the only John Taylor Cruz scores 10 takedowns on Zahudo. Holy that's a lot. <laughs> that would be a, a lot hot take. against an Olympic caliber wrestler, but okay. I like I it. Not, I, wait, can we ask him, has he been hitting the white claw early? I mean yeah. maybe that is not non hardy by sub. Don't see we can't one. even Oh, sorry. Uh, don't, come on, Nan. Come on, Nan. Come on. You don't I, believe that. I don't, I don't hate that. I really don't. Really? Come on. Tyler Hardy, Lee, Hardy, Hardy, Hardy gets disqualified. I like that one. <laughs> I like that, that one. I, you know what? I don't even know if that one's that hot at this point. I think that's more <laughs> likely than Hardy by sub. Hardy gets <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe. Cow- Cowboy by sub. Vince. I could see that. All right, guys. Thanks for all the hot takes. Thanks for joining us. Um, like, subscribe, follow us all Sorry, guys. on Twitter. Hold on. I, I got to put one more up because I, I like this one. Uh, Donald Trump oh, resigns geez. from office if Dominic, if Dominic Cruz does not win. So we're, uh, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, you might like or hate that. I think Sudo's going to win. So there you go. This is clearly devolving. We are getting the hell out of here. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for showing up. Like, subscribe. Hey, appreciate million to win or more at DraftKings. Get yourself a piece of that. Get on there. That's right. Good luck in your contest. Chat it up with all with all of us on Twitter during during the fights. I love talking with you guys. Good luck in your contest. Make some money. See you 
I don't know when the next time is. We got a couple of cards coming up. We got to figure it out, but we'll see you soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace.